This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. While it may seem like we are farther apart than we've ever been before, we have actually never been more connected than we are today. That's a lesson that Heather Kraft and her team at Hotwire Global have learned firsthand. With offices around the world, Heather and her team have had to rely on internal communication strategies to keep their clients satisfied. How have they done that? On this episode of Marketing Trends, Heather breaks down exactly how her team stays connected and why those strategies are important. Plus, she explains why the relationship between employee and brand has never been more important. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends. And today we have special guest, Heather, what's going on? Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining. We're excited to talk about all things Hotwire today and get into your background. So let's get started. How did you get started in marketing and comms in the first place? Yeah, so I'm one of the rare few who actually studied some of it in college. I started out in journalism and was a journalism major. And from there, I had to make a decision whether I was going to go the news ed route or the marketing and PR route. And marketing and PR seemed like it was going to open a whole lot of more opportunities for me, but it was also I got to do things besides just right. And that's where I started. So from there, I would have never thought that I ended up in full, all things technology and, and B2B marketing, but being in San Francisco and Silicon Valley, it sort of was the natural progression. One day you're reading things like storage review and it's a normal thing you read every day. <laughs> I think that's sort of where it began. And I fell in love with the complexity and the pace that comes with it. Yeah. And so flash forward to today, tell me what it means to be an EVP and head of B2B at, at Hotwire. Yeah. So I think simply put at Hotwire, our goal and sort of reason for being is to help our clients engage with audience and stakeholders that matter the most to their brand. Um, We specialize in working with technology companies. So that's both B2B and B2C. In my role specifically, it's really heavy on the B2B side. But if you think about so much of what we do every day, whether it's sort of this call right and in conversation right now, it's all underpinned by some really interesting technology that enables it and that allows us to do the things that we do seamlessly throughout our day. And so getting to work with those types of companies that are solving those complex problems and bring them forward to more mainstream audiences to sell to their buyers, but also increase the understanding that shareholders and other stakeholders have of what they do and the potential that they, that they bring forward is something that's really exciting and, and really the crux of what we do at Hotwire every day with killer storytellers. And, and that turns into a whole host of marketing and PR tactics for our clients. Yeah. And what are the types of clients that that you are working with? So it sort of runs the gamut. Like I said, technology is is the the key function that they all have in common. So in the B2B world, we work with folks like Commvault and NetApp. We're both cloud and data management companies. And so their buyers are most often the CIO, the CTO, or someone within those organizations. 
On the flip side, we also work with Kiva. Kiva is an online lending platform that connects lenders to entrepreneurs. And really specifically, I think it's about 80% of Kiva's loans go to female entrepreneurs. So it's really a different audience when you think about sort of your technical buyer versus your female entrepreneur. And understanding those audiences are, are how we're able to work with brands that span from sort of series B startups all the way through to the NetApps of the world, who are significant public companies that have been in their spaces for quite some time. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so curious, you know, as you're, as you're working with clients and, and talking to these folks, has the role of like what they look for in a firm like Hotwire changed, not just like recently with, you know, COVID and the mm-hmm. pandemic and stuff, we'll, we'll get into that later, but, but just like what they expect from, uh, from PR, from comms, from marketing, from, from this function. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think the ability to tell a very compelling and engaging story has always been true. So that is sort of PR to the core when you think about it. But as the marketing mix has evolved and communications and marketing have become more interwoven with one another, that hasn't changed. It's really about how you do that and the tactics and the channels that you're using to be able to tell a good story, to do things like increase brand awareness and lead generation all the way on through to sort of executive communications and thought leadership and sort of brand positioning. So it's definitely evolved. I think the, the pain that often brands feel and look to their marketing organizations to solve isn't what's changed massively over time. It's the, how we get there and, and really the seat at the table that, communications and the marketing function has earned over the years because they're the ones who can creatively solve those problems. Yeah. You talked about storytelling, obviously, you know, the listeners of this show, marketers, we, we see ourselves as as storytellers, but not always necessarily the CMO is charged with being like the chief storyteller for Mm -hmm. your, or for the company, right? They're telling a lot of the stories for what the products do for customers, but not necessarily, you know, the shepherd of, of the company's journey. Where do you kind of see that role of the CMO with, you know, being the shepherd of the actual brand story versus just like the customer centric, like business centric kind of piece? Cause like you, if you looked at like a sales leader, for example, you'd never say like, oh, they're, they're in charge of like the company's story. It's like, no, they're in charge of selling. And I think that marketers kind of have oftentimes one or the other. Yeah, I think that's, that's true. I do think we often counsel our clients and have a lot of conversations with folks across the C-suite that there is an innate responsibility that each of them has tailored to their role, but for being stewards of the brand and storytellers for the audience that's relevant to them so that one, they show up consistently, whether they're talking to prospects, customers, employees, potential employees. So there's that that cohesion of brand message that happens, but also the CMO is is absolutely chartered with carrying a lot of that forward, but without the extended bench engaging in it, sort of you, you're limiting in, in what you can carry forward. And the, the operational function of it is, is absolutely the role of the CMO, but you can have a spokesperson and a phenomenal storyteller within unexpected folks within the organization. I've worked with surprisingly CROs and CFOs who just have these inspirational stories that are really closely tied to a brand's value and mission 
and what they're able to deliver to their customers where you might not expect that. And I think you're seeing a lot more brands sort of open up the playing field to be able to use whoever is the right person to tell that story and carry it forward. And everyone at the C-suite has some level of responsibility to take that on. So that's that's an interesting uh, viewpoint because I don't think that a lot of executives in the C-suite necessarily share that. I right? agree. Like yeah. I think that there's, you know, there's a lot of folks that are like, you know, if I'm the chief procurement officer or if mm-hmm. I'm the, you know, whatever it is, they're like, why do I need to be out there? Like, why yeah. do I need to be doing podcasts? Why do I need to be speaking at conferences? Like, well, what is, why does this matter? Like, my career is not going to get any bump from this. I don't, it's not something that I'm interested in. So why does it matter? I, I mean, I'm curious, like when you have those conversations, like how do you explain why it matters? Yeah. And it may not be that, that it is that being on sort of a podcast or a speaking at a conference is the right thing, but ultimately each one of those functions and each one of those leaders is bringing value to the organization in a variety of ways. And they've got some sort of business metric and business goal that they're responsible for helping achieve. And so if you work back from that business problem and you can identify a way that marketing and communications can support them to achieve that. So if it is your chief financial officer, for example, it could be that recruitment and retention within his organization or her organization is the challenge that's holding them back from being able to keep pace with business growth. You could build a a communications program that's focused on that. It may not be that it's incredibly external facing. It could be heavily ingrained in employee engagement. So I think that it's thinking outside of what people often think of as communications and PR being all media relations and, and really looking at the full suite of the folks that you need to influence to drive your business forward. And that's often where we can have those kinds of conversations with leaders who are less interested in sort of putting the spotlight on themselves. There's also a lot of cases where they identify others within their organization that they want to bring along that journey to sort of the rock stars of their org and spotlight those. But if you think about, I'm looking at a brand from the outside, so much of what I consider, whether I'm a buyer on on the consumer side or even an IT buyer are what's being said and the conversation that's happening around that brand both from a individual standpoint, but also as a collective peer set. And so showing up that way, really, there are tons of studies that show has impact on a brand's value. I like that idea of, of brand value that all of the executives are, are playing a role in it. I think all the time about, you know, because obviously we create podcasts for a living. So <laughs> we think a lot about, you know, how to, how to structure people's stories and, and, uh, and tell people's, you know, the, the quote unquote mm-hmm. thought leadership and get that out there into the world and, and look at different ways to tell those type of stories. So I think about it a lot, but I'm blown away when you talk to an executive and they don't kind of realize how important it is just from a recruitment standpoint mm-hmm. to like be out there. And I'm like, imagine if, you know, you can go talk to, you know, 500 candidates or something like that of of the top candidates that are super engaged, that are like following along and, you know, reading your industry's, you know, knowledge or up-to-date stuff. And they get to hear you talk for 45 minutes about like your strategy 
you know, if you make a good impression on them, don't you think that those people are going to kind of want to come work for you? So it's just, it, you know, it's a, it seems like a no brainer, but on the other side, they're extremely busy people and, mm-hmm. uh, and talking to, you know, their peers, a lot of times might not be the top priority for them or something that they necessarily feel like they can, they can do, especially when it comes to, you know, speaking engagements or writing, which oftentimes many executives are really bad at or, or need help with. So it's just, it seems like a lot of work. And, uh, it, and I think those folks feel like the juice isn't worth, worth the squeeze. How do you, how do you show them that it's worth it? Yeah, I, those are super common questions and, and, Really, I agree completely that the value is there immensely. There's a couple of different ways that we go about it. Quite often, it's showing them, okay, well, who is a brand or a leader that you follow? Sort of putting, sort of putting them in that position where what's an aspirational leader look like to you? And what is the decisions that you've made along your path that have been impacted by that? So there's a little bit of an aha moment in sort of reversing roles. But I think ultimately, when we're able to, and where any communications program should be able to is look back to and link it to a business goal, a business challenge, and sort of directly make that tie. It may not be that it is, it's understanding that there are things that communications is able to support outside of direct lead gen. And I think when we can use metrics and smart measurement to be able to do that, that's where you're able to have the most impact. If you could have a conversation with an executive where you can get to the crux of the pain that they're feeling and the challenge that's in front of them and what those roadblocks are to achieving their both personal, professional, and business goals, you can build a program that is tailored to support those. And more often than not, when you dig into that, it, it comes back to sort of being able to demonstrate brand value and being a part of that conversation. So. We've got a few folks who are former journalists on our team that can come in and have it a tough conversation that way. It's sort of about knowing the person and the executive a little bit, whether they're really numbers driven and, and showing them the stats that get you to that case. Or it's sort of figuring out what personally motivates them as a leader and using that lens to build a program that's relevant for them. I think laying out the data and showing that you're looking to have an impact on whatever their ultimate goal is, is typically the best way. There's often sometimes a little bit of give us one shot and you'll see the value coming out of it. And then we'll leave you alone if, if you really don't feel like that's moving the needle for you. Are there any other, any other like things that you hear, you know, from executives of like why they don't want to do this and kind of have that before and after moment where they're like, oh yeah, I really didn't want to do X, Y, or Z, but it turns out like this was pretty fun or this was really impactful or, oh, I didn't realize that, you know, I didn't realize that, you know, writing an article a month for, you know, whatever, Forbes Technology Council or something like that, like mm-hmm. was going to be, wasn't going to be that much or, oh, it helped me organize my thoughts. Like I'm curious, um, any either good or bad uh, conversations that, that you have with folks when they, when they try to commit to being more out there in the wild? Yeah, I think it goes all of those all of those scenarios are true, I would say. One common one that and actually is pretty recent and relevant is we were working with we were working with an executive to do a broadcast segment and sort of had to make the case there was a lot one of the things that we see hesitancy from a handful of execs today and spokespeople really at all levels, which is absolutely fair, is with today's news cycle and 
the unpredictability that's come with it, their hesitance that they are going to get asked about something that happened five minutes before the interview and is really not quite the subject area that they should be a part of or that they're experts on, but is the most timely topic of the day. And so in preparing for the broadcast interview, it was really about sort of empowering them to feel like they can own the conversation and that it is a conversation ultimately. Coming out of it for her, for this executive, the aha moments were, one, a broadcast interview is a heck of a lot shorter than than an hour-long interview. (laughs) So she got all that time back in her day, but also the instant gratification of it. It was shared around with her organization. She got that feedback from her team, as well as peers in the industry who recognized her, the story she was telling, and then the value that it brought to both her organization, as well as sort of key points about things that pain that her peers were and competitors were feeling as well. And so I think those types of gratification that come on the back end that both are personal to her and, and played to sort of what motivated her as an individual, but also showed the value that it brought to the business are a lot of what happens in those aha moments. You mentioned the sort of ability to organize their own thoughts and, and use it as a platform and a way to, to create a story that they're able to tell in a lot of instances. We often work one-on-one with executives to build what we call their executive platform. So that is a combination of the story that they're trying to tell for the business and that makes sense for the market, but also enough personal anecdotal experience that it feels authentic and relevant to them. Once they've nailed that with us, they're able to use it in a lot of different settings. So it may not be that it's just for an interview or a campaign of content. It also becomes their platform when they're speaking internally at their own team's all hands. And it sort of creates that North Star that they can always go back to. And there's a lot of comfort for executives in that when they're able to tell the same story a lot of different ways to all of the audiences that are relevant to their job. And that's sort of the core of what a smart, thoughtful, executive thought leadership platform allows them to do. And what are the like what what are the day-to-day challenges of of setting up something like that? Like what are what are the sticking yeah. points? I think often it's it's time, which is with every executive is that is finding the and their willingness to make time to do it. But often the sticking points are sort of their willingness to not just repeat what's already out there and and really getting to what is the most interesting part of a story. If you think about whether they be written articles that you read, blogs and LinkedIn posts by leaders that you follow in the industry or podcasts that you listen to, the most compelling ones have some kind of tension that they build to or problem that's being solved and, and these unexpected ahas. As leaders of organizations where they've either founded the company and built it themselves or they've come in and, and been sort of the fixer when things weren't quite right, Getting to that mix of of personal story as well as industry vision is sort of the holy grail when it comes to being able to create those. And you've got to kind of dig with an exec quite often to get to those. Not everyone is super willing to open up right away about a moment when they failed or a turning point in their career or why something was hard. They're they're a very solution-oriented group typically. And so getting some of that emotion out of them and storytelling themselves is typically the hardest part. From there, it's about operationalizing it, 
doing the prep work and, and really setting that story on fire with the rest of your marketing and communications teams to be able to use it in a variety of ways. Switching gears, obviously, we've had as big of a challenge of we, as we've seen in a long time with regards to comms, you know, what we're going to do from a how we work strategy, what we're going to do from a go to market strategy, you know, unprecedented times. What were some of the things that that you saw uh, from your clients? Um, what were, were some of the things that you all were doing to kind of deal with COVID, to deal with the crisis and make sure that uh, you were communicating uh, or they were communicating effectively? Yeah, so I think overall it's become one of these sort of rally cry moments where marketing, external communications, employee and internal comms have all come together. While we may sit in the same organizations functionally or not within a lot of brands, there's been this, okay, let's all get at the same table and get around virtual table in this scenario and get really organized and thoughtful about how we're talking to all of our audiences. So the importance of employee communication became top of the list in many scenarios very quickly. Talking to current customers and prospects in the pipeline and sort of figuring out the way to continue those conversations, adjust to how you're supporting them to the world that they live in now, all while sort of bringing the entire organization along, I think was what we saw happen very quickly. And so that came to fruition in a variety of ways. Communications shifted from a, for a little bit of time, from more of a, this is the best case scenario, let's go move forward on this really big meaty thing to what are the practical and useful things that I can provide my stakeholders with that help them get through this challenge today, tomorrow, next week. And so there was that little bit of time where everybody sort of paused and, and took stock of what they were doing to make sure that it was in line with the appropriate tone that it should have based on the market and everything that was going on across the globe. But it was practical and useful and still relevant. It was interesting to see and sort of work through with many clients that kind of audit that had to happen in a really rapid pace to make sure that you weren't tone deaf to, to your surroundings. And then from there, sort of what did the go forward look like? We've still got businesses to run and sort of a sales team to support, a, investors that need to understand how our business is going to cope with this, and crafting a set of campaigns and stories that were really about that. They were about sort of the practical things that we can provide our audiences with today to be able to get them to tomorrow successfully and to take a little bit of that burden off, off of them. We work with a handful of companies that fall in what often the private and public markets refer to as stay-at-home companies. So folks whose technology are things like unified communication, their sort of productivity tools from home, they're everything all the way on through to the security providers that allow us to VPN from home and things like that. And so for those companies, it's really been an interesting balance to find where this is their time to shine and show up as a true partner to the market, but also make sure that they're supporting their internal employee base along the way and providing them with those same tools that they're talking about externally. Do you think that, you know, from a strategy perspective, teams were like pre-COVID versus post-COVID on like who owns that those types of communication. Cause it's kind of like in different companies, it 
it lives with a different part of the org and often, yeah. oftentimes. It, absolutely. And often did those orgs would have some sort of interconnect point, but they kind of operated in their own functions and their own silos. I think during COVID, there was this moment of one that just doesn't work anymore because you're going to get called out very quickly by showing up one way to one audience and another to someone on the other side of the coin who ultimately is in the same scenario. So I think it became this forcing function to bring it, to bring all of those together. We've seen as organizations have reorganized throughout all of this, that they're functionally brought the internal communications function closer to marketing, whether that's directly reporting within that org or closer to the corporate comms function. I think structurally, we're seeing some of that change happen. I also think that quite often employee communications and the power of employer branding often becomes the third, the third, fourth item down on your list. But because of COVID, it's now number one for a lot of organizations and, and not just COVID too. If you think about all of the other civil unrest that's gone on during this time period, employee brand and employee purpose is more important than ever. And it's something that as your employees are distributed and, and a highly distributed workforce shows up in a lot of different ways. It's not that you're in an all hands meeting in a giant conference room together once a month. There's a lot more touch points. There's a lot of nuance and it sort of allows organizations to shine if you take on that challenge. And it's something that goes back again to, to the brand value ultimately. What about like you internally at, at Hotwire? Obviously, you know, you're not exempt from it either. How, how no. did you deal with those things internally? Yeah, so luckily, Hotwire, for many years, we've had what we call a thoughtful working environment. So thoughtful working is built on the principles of a row, a results-only workforce. And it's really about the fact that work is something we do, not a place to go. And when COVID hit, that meant that all of our employees were used to working from a variety of locations, whether that's from home, while traveling, in a coffee shop, sort of whatever was best suited for them to be able to do and deliver the best results for their team. So that piece of it meant we had Slack in place and things like Zoom and other video conferencing. It wasn't new to us and everything was already in the cloud. That piece was a little bit easier. And so there was a less of a transition when we closed our offices and moved everybody remote, not only in the U.S., but globally. On the flip side, when you think about the cities that we have offices in the States, New York, San Francisco, Minneapolis, they've all had their own unique challenges throughout. Our workforce is varied and diverse when it comes to age. Sort of, are they young, young grads who are just entering the workforce and they're in a New York apartment that is probably the size of some of our closets and now they've got to be there 24-7? Or are they parents who have a seven and an eight-year-old who are now at home with them and their working spouse full-time. So being able to create schedules and workflow with those team members that they're still accountable for delivering results. There's flexibility in their day to do what makes sense or to be where they need to be. And in both those cases, for some folks, that meant doing some time shifting. And their day, they might be based on the West Coast, but they're working East Coast hours. A lot of some, some staff have shifted and left the cities that they were in and are now working from 
places like Iowa where they've got, or Hawaii, where they've got a lot more space and room and they, they're able to adjust their day to do that and really supporting them along the way have been things that have been really important to us. We've increased our flow of communication. We have a really strong culture and being able to engage with employees throughout the process where we provide them with the practical information that they need to be able to do their job, to know what the business is doing, to know how the business is doing, but also keep the culture and the fun alive throughout that process has been something that has been an interesting challenge, but also created a ton of opportunity for all of our staff. So this past week, actually, we host what we call boot camp, which is our annual kickoff. We bring all of our teams globally, all staff, to one location. Last year, we were in Dublin, Ireland. The year before that, we were outside of London for two and a half days to kick off our new year, to get to know each other, to do some personal development, professional development, and just kind of hang out with one another. Obviously, with COVID, going to any city wasn't going to happen, so we held a, a two-day virtual boot camp. And it was a combination of the same thing, sort of celebration, forward-looking where we're going to go as a business, and, and also just kind of hanging out together. We had a Slack channel that was all things hotwire, rewired is what it was called. And the volume of conversation that happened throughout the day and that was, was really heartfelt and inspiring to see that we could keep that culture and all of the goodness that is typically tied to boot camp alive in a virtual environment. Any other work from home uh, tips for internal comms that you've seen? I think some of the, some of the best internal comms that I've seen has been, yes, get the information that they need to have out there. Be open and honest with the things that you don't have answers to. That is not, there is no world that, or sort of no conversation today that you're going to go into with your employees where they expect you to know everything or to have a crystal ball for the future. Keep them updated and really bring, bring a lot more folks involved. Something that's been great for us is it's not all coming from leadership. It is also folks deep within the organization who are engaged and, and providing updates and, and providing and nurturing the culture that's so important to us. You know, obviously with kind of like a bunch of the products you were talking about, like Zoom and others, technology was super helpful throughout the whole, throughout the whole pandemic to allow people to communicate, you know, work tools, work remotely, all that stuff. A lot of those companies, that are building those tools, many of those are, are your clients. How did you kind of you know, bridge that gap of making sure that people were being respectful, but also uh, knowing that their solutions need to be, you know, bought and implemented like on a daily, like hourly basis because mm -hmm. of how important they are? Yeah. So Intermedia is a great example of that. Intermedia is a client of ours here in the U.S. and they work with SMBs. SMBs are the bulk of their clients and their customers. And they're similar to a Zoom in that they provide UCAS and CCAS solutions, but also a host of other productivity items. And so for them, it was about opening up their platform to just fill the need that was directly in front of a lot of their clients and protect potential customers so that they can get in and solve the problems that they needed. But also, okay, you're onboarded. What are, what are the tips that you know from doing this yourselves as marketers or 
heads of HR and CHROs and things like that? What is information that you have based on your years of experience and your brand knowledge that solves the problem or a pain that they're going to feel today? And so shifting to that really quickly and being authentic about that was something that we helped a lot of clients do in a way that was still relevant to their brand and knowing that there are instances where they're not the right person to provide a solution in that scenario and, and talking about sort of the full technology suite that's needed to be able to not only immediately support a staff that's working remotely, but also sustain that for a potential long-term basis and know that there'll be scenarios where you may bring folks back and have to bring them back out of the office and that likely it's some hybrid messy in between, but keeping it simple enough so that they can go on about and focus on doing their business was really sort of that partner message that, that a lot of the folks that you talked about that provide those solutions and the ones that were successful and continue to be successful have led with. Do you think that there is any, you know, current challenges that are facing big tech companies as we like move out of this and into the kind of like the back back to work phase? You know, any advice that you would have from a comms perspective or things that you see when we kind of have this like go back to work mentality as we're all still kind of dealing with everything else? Yeah, I think the expectations that employees have are going to be higher than ever, whether that's from a support standpoint, a flexibility standpoint, sort of the, the competitive set that they're going up against from an employee standpoint the stakes are now just as high as they are from the external standpoint. And I think the technology brands who don't acknowledge that, act on that, and plan accordingly for it are the ones who are going to quickly find themselves sort of late to the game or having retention problems. Because eventually folks will go back to some sort of either fully remote, back in the office scenario and Hiring will continue to take, continue on, and you're going to lose talent if you're if you're not able to be authentic with the way that you support them and sort of their own personal work life balance. You mentioned marketing and PR, obviously about storytelling. I'm curious. So some folks feel like they have a boring story that, like, they're says like nobody cares about mine. How do you teach your team to find the heart of a story? Uh, how do you, you know, convince folks that, that their story is absolutely worth, worth telling and, uh, and come up with, uh, with a compelling strategy to, uh, to get that out in front of people? Yeah, I'd say more often than not, everyone thinks they've got a good story to tell. <laughs> Whether or not it really is an interesting one that it might be. <laughs> it might be really? I, I kind of feel like the opposite. You'd be amazed. <laughs> But I, I think, see, that's so funny. I kind of feel the opposite. I feel like so many people are like, yeah, what do I have to say or whatever? I don't know. I mean, I feel like we talk to a lot of people that are like, yeah, you know, like, what should I talk about? And you're like, I don't know. You've been doing this for 35 <laughs> years. Like, there's probably some what good stuff been, there. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's about asking them the right questions that get to a good story. And there's a, a woman on my team, Lindsay Riddell, who was a journalist for many years. And if she could do one thing all day, it would be asking those kinds of questions. And the same question, three different ways to where you get three different answers and kind of peels back the onion until you get to the center and the exciting part of it. That's our job. To, and a strong communicator and a strong agency partner will push you and your executives and the subject matter experts within the organization 
to react to things that are potentially unexpected, whether that's unexpected because it's the reverse of what most of the market is saying, unexpected because you just wouldn't typically tie those two things together, but sort of creating those stories and, that are worth telling and are relevant to tell, because I think that's the other important part is I could tell you a good story, but ultimately is it a story that's going to lead to some kind of impact that's positive? Those are two different things. And so crafting stories that bring outside perspective, but also are true to who you are as an individual are really important. And, and for us, it's about asking smart questions and doing the right research ahead of those conversations so that you can push a little bit and dig a little deeper and, and figure out what sort of makes that person tick and why they're doing what they do every day. So speaking of that, what questions uh, am I not asking you? What are the ones that, uh, <laughs> that I'm missing right now? There's got to be a bunch. I really just set myself up for that, huh? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I always think it's interesting is, is the the why behind marketers and CMOs and senior communications folks, the why they stay within the organization that they're in and the why they love the job that they do, given we're often the people behind the people or the story that is the least told. In that sense, I think for me, that is a question that I love hearing from other senior leaders is, is the why this. There's so many other things that you are well suited to do coming out of a, a marketing and communications background. And it's interesting for me to hear from the folks who have stayed in it and continue to get excited about it. Well, we have, I see, I, I know that you've listened to a bunch of episodes of the show. So I, I got to mix up our lightning round so that you're, you're on your toes here. But uh, before we get into our, our lightning round, I, I do want to know any, uh, any trends that you see that are, that are super exciting from the marketing uh, comms PR uh, realm? Yeah, so I think there's two. I think the importance of being very clear about your brand's value and purpose is something that's been in, we've all talked about forever and brand purpose isn't anything new, but it is make or break today. And having all of your senior leaders and, and really leadership throughout the organization show up and be authentic and clear about what that is, is going to continue to be even more important in the rest of 2020 and beyond. And then I think second is we talked about it quite a bit, but really the coming together and, and often the sort of hero that can be internal and employee communications and that they've earned that seat at the table alongside the rest of the marketing function. Okay, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy. Just like marketing with Salesforce, you can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about marketing built on the world's number one CRM, that is Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Go to salesforce.com slash marketing. Salesforce brings marketing and engagement together. We love them. Been with us since episode one. Check them out. Lightning round questions. Heather, are you ready? Sure am. Number one, what hobby or habit have you picked up during shelter in place? So I am the least routine human on the planet is what this is, this is what shelter in place has taught me. So for me, habit is I take my dog on a different walk route at least three times a week because I can't handle making the same loop every morning. I am with you there. 
Um, what is the one thing you recently moved? So what is the one thing that happened during your move that was like your, oh, I could never move again without blank? So I got back into the States. I was in our UK office until the 15th, I think, of March. So I got back into the States just before things shut down. And by the time I went to the store to go and find everything, I couldn't find, <laughs> there was much of nothing and most places were closed, but I ran out of packing tape halfway through. And so I used whatever tape I could find from anywhere to type, to tape boxes in the five hours before the movers arrived. It's quite amusing to watch these box, these boxes get taped together with essentially whatever you could find a piece of string and these guys show up to move them. So always keep backup tape on hand was my lesson of that move. Was there an item that you threw away that you were like, I'm going to respectfully put you in the trash. I really don't want to throw you away or give you away, but it's been, it's, it's time. You've, you've made three moves and I've never un, unpacked you or whatever it is. Yeah. There was a box of books. It, I, I lived up four flights of stairs previously. Those box of books have moved with me multiple times over the past 12 years, probably. I don't even know what the books are about at this point. Those, the poor moving man moved directly downstairs and, and to the donate pile. I recently moved as well. And uh, I finally threw out my marketing textbook from college. Mm -hmm. uh, that was, I would always keep it because it was so funny to like see, yeah. like to go back and thumb through it and be like, so much of this does not matter at all anymore and it's really funny there was an ap style guide in mine that was from like 2002 oh, like why have i carried this around so long speaking of books do you have a favorite book or podcast that you've been checking out recently um i am a huge fan of many of the obvious podcasts but my morning dog walk also includes a couple of the usual so the daily i listen to every morning and that's that's my go-to start my morning and then it and then sort of run through NPR, whether it's the morning edition or up first. Those are two of my go-tos. I recently read uh, Mike Isaac's Uber book and read that in a weekend because it was so interesting and so relevant to the world that I work in every day. And I remember following the Travis story and the Uber story as that was happening. And so reading Mike's take on it and the inside piece of it was super interesting to me. What is your best advice for a senior exec in PR and marketing that either you've gotten or you would give to someone else uh, getting into the role for the first time? If it scares you a little bit, it's probably the right thing to do. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, totally different career field, you can choose anyone, what would you be doing? This is a good one. I would own a coffee shop wine bar on a small little island somewhere and just drink coffee, serve wine and drinks all day in the sun. I love it. Well, I hope uh, I would, I'll, I'll go there and get some coffee. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> Heather, this has been great. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, any final thoughts? Anything to plug? No, thanks for having me. It's been great. It's been a really interesting conversation. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. 
put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.